the turn of the last century, former U.S. Postmaster General John Wanamaker said, people who cannot find time for recreation are obliged sooner or later to find time for illness. In the heart of a champion. And we welcome you back to another episode of the Code of Man podcast, and we've got what was just kind of in my heart and thought as we were praying before we begin today's recording. We've got something very practical today that is coming out of our own life that we're not just we're not just grasping for straws here at an idea to talk about. This is literally what we've been talking about even up to, you know, yesterday in our own lives when somebody around the undisclosed location, I won't name any names, was losing their mind. Uh, and fretting and getting frazzled over all the stuff that has to be done. Yep. It was perplexing at that individual. I won't say if they're in the room right now or not. I will say this, though. We are missing one of the code crew today. We are. Oh, uh, Napoleon. But I will go ahead and say it wasn't Roland Napoleon because he's actually been away, I think, doing what we're talking about today. But I, actually, I don't know what he's been doing. I just know he's been in Ohio. Well, no. No? Uh-uh. Not in Ohio? Knoxville. Knoxville. Oh. Yep. Well, there you go. They're in the Tennessee region. Went to the mountains. Is this a vacation or is this recreation? Well, we'll have to put him on the spot (laughs) whenever he's back on here and asking him to define. you got to listen to this episode. Even though you're not on it, we need you to listen to this one so we can put you on the spot next time. So Napoleon's... You know, I was thinking there used to be that game, Where's Waldo? Yep. And we could come up with a Where's Napoleon? We could. Because here lately, he's been gone off and on. Bless his heart. Yeah. Anyway, all right. So here's the thing. We're talking about the summer recreation, or the way we're going to say it, summer recreation plan today. And this is really just kind of, uh, honestly, we haven't called it part two of last week's episode, but it kind of just built out of that. And last week, we were talking about how we can bring back resilience into our life. We were featuring, talking about John Eldridge's new book, Resilient. All three of us read that, and this will come up in today's discussion as well because this book, again, very timely, helpful, a lot of good information, a lot of good help in there to the topic we're going to be discussing. So let's start with uh, the all-important text, Mark 6, and this is a place I go to a lot. We go to it a lot on this podcast, and we always will because it gives us a great example from our greatest example, Jesus himself. Mark chapter 6, I want to read verse 30 through 34. And the apostles gathered themselves together unto Jesus and told him all things, both what they had done and what they had taught. And he said unto them, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so much as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. That is actually Psalm 23 in action. 
you go back and read Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He, he maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He prepareth a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. So everything I just said about Psalm 23 or everything Psalm 23 tells us is exactly what Jesus is doing with the disciples right here. He is shepherding them and he's leading them into a place where they can get some restoration and refreshment. And that's what has brought us to this topic because we've been seeing in our own lives, the ministry, the work, personally, and all other points that that things have been pretty crazy as the summertime has picked up. And we've got to be careful about letting ourselves get so so caught up in all of that that we're just diminished and depleted uh, going forward. And Jesus saw that for the disciples. He saw that they needed to get away. Now, he had sent them out. He had been teaching them, and he had equipped them, and he had given given them instructions, and they had gone out to teach and to heal and to do ministry. And when they come back, they're very excited about it. They're very excited about all that they've been involved in. But Jesus is the wise one here that says, well, this is great stuff. I'm glad that you have been doing these things. I'm glad that it's gone well. I'm excited for what's being done for the kingdom. But you know what, fellas? You're going to have to, as we have heard said many times, come apart before you come apart. There you go. So Jesus knows the disciples need to get away. And then I want to just point out, because it's actually Jesus we're looking at, not the disciples as the example in this, Jesus himself needed to get away. And I think that's often overlooked in this passage. But if you read Scripture with Scripture, what you what you see here is that prior to this that I read, verse 30, you go back into the verses just before that, and it tells the story of John the Baptist being beheaded. Now, I compare that with Matthew chapter 14, where the story is also told, and, and you, get, you get the understanding of what's happening here. Jesus himself also needed to get away a little bit because he is, as Isaiah said, a man of sorrow and acquainted with grief. And he needs some time to process what he has been told about John the Baptist. Let me uh, read it straight from from Matthew 14 because it really kind of ties it all together very nicely. Talking about King Herod, he sent and beheaded John in the prison and his head was brought in the charger and given to the damsel and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took up the body and buried it and went and told Jesus. And when Jesus heard of it, he departed thence by ship into a desert place apart. And when the people had heard thereof, they followed him on foot. So that's the same account. That's the same story as in Mark chapter 6. But Matthew seems to really focus more on that Jesus needed that getaway. Mm -hmm. Whereas in Mark, we get more of the emphasis of the disciples. Jesus said, hey, you guys need some rest. But... His language is, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place. And it's kind of like the group needs, all, everybody needs it, in other words. Yeah. And that's our message to the code listeners today, that we all need to be aware of where we are as far as how we're doing physically, how we're doing internally. And there are times we need to get invested in a little recreation, a little recreation. I'll explain that in a moment, but... I'll just like... Tying in Matthew with it, with Mark's accounts, you really see both ends of the spectrum. You see Jesus who is coming from a time of grief and a time of sorrow, get, getting bad news, and this is going to weigh heavily on, on his heart and, and his life. Then you see the disciples coming back from a time of great victory, great accomplishment. There's been a lot of work that's done. For all intents and purposes, we could say, hey, the disciples had a lot of momentum building right here, and so now's the time to strike while the iron's hot. Because I think, how many times do you see somebody that that comes off of a time of great zeal, time of great accomplishment, 
and now they lose their focus. Where they started, like they were good, they were in ministry, but then their success maybe kind of took too far because they didn't take that time to reevaluate, to realign, and to refocus. And so th- there's there's goodness from both ends of this this time of coming away. I think we've been taught for so long, you know, hey, when things are going good, that's the time to hit the accelerator, to keep going, and to, and to keep building on what's going. And then, oh, you're in a time of grief. Hey, the best thing to do in a time of grief is to get busy and to get going and to, you know, to come out of that. No, in both of those, the best thing to do is get some time apart, refocus your heart with the Lord, do some things that are good for your soul so that you can re-engage in the best possible way. And I'll go ahead and, and say this. I Before, I've got a few factors that, that led up to this that I think we can use to evaluate our lives, both listener and us. But before we do that, let's go ahead and address this thing. It doesn't always work out. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always happen. Um, because we were talking the other day, um, well, right here in, in Mark chapter 6. Let's just start there. Jesus gets interrupted as soon as he gets off the boat, it says, and the people, this is, I'm just picking up the reading in verse 33 of Mark 6, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities and outwent them. That means these the crowd got there before they did. So you picture this. Here's Jesus and the disciples, leisurely boat ride. I mean, they're starting this recreation period in their lives, okay? They're I guess, I guess I should say recreation, we're using that on purpose because the idea behind recreation is recreation. It comes from the Latin word that means to make new or to refresh, all right? So that's why I'm saying recreation, and what we're after here is, is coming up with a plan that during our summer season, we're going to build in recreation in our lives, refreshment and renewal. Okay, back to Mark chapter 6. And the people saw them departing, picking up the reading in verse 33, and the people saw them departing, and many knew him and ran afoot thither out of all cities and outwent them. They got there before Jesus and the disciples did. So even though they've started their recreation, boom, it's already going to get interrupted. And it says, And Jesus, when he came out out of the boat, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having the shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. Let me show you, though. It didn't happen right away. A couple of things that I thought about. Initially, at least, do you think maybe Jesus let the disciples go on and get some rest? And just he engaged with the he people? He engaged and began to teach the crowd and speak to the people. I mean, I I know it's we're kind of having to guess at that, but, but somehow or another I feel like because he knew the disciples needed it, maybe he sheltered them a little bit, protected mm-hmm. them from it, for a, and, get, and said, you, you fellas going down there, get some naps, do a little fishing, Enjoy some rest. I'll, I'll, I'll meet talk up to with the you crowd. In a second. Yeah, Be- and, and here's the reason I say that, because what happens next is the feeding of the five thousand. So there's this great multitude of people that have been listening to Jesus speak, and Jesus says, "How many days was it? I don't. It's like three days they've been with yeah. him." He said, "For three days these people have been here, and they've got nothing to eat now, and I'm afraid if I send them back, they're they're going to faint on the way." And, and so he calls the disciples in, and they begin to be a part of the ministry again. I mean, let's just say it's possible the disciples got a three-day rest period. Sure. Jesus is teaching, and they're resting. They're probably listening to, to some of the teaching, but they're getting rest. And now they're brought back into it. Hey, we've got to take care of them. Let's feed them. And there's the feeding of the 5,000. But if you follow the narrative all the way down to the end of Mark chapter 6, 
Listen to what happens after the feeding of the 5,000. Verse number 43. And they took up 12 baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes. So they fed the 5,000 plus the women and children. They collected the 12 baskets of leftovers. And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men. And straightway, right away, Jesus says, it says that he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. Hey, fellas, I, I'll wrap up the service. I'll, I'll close everything. You guys get on the boat and go on. And I, I just, it's humorous to me. I, I grin a little bit when reading this because what I, what I hear it, Jesus doing here is, okay, now it's time to be done. I'm going to get rid of the disciples a little while. I'm going to get rid of this crowd a little while. And here's what I'm going to do. Verse 46, and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when, he, when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land. Here's the point. He may have sheltered the disciples a little bit and gave them their rest, but he still knew, even though he ministered to that crowd, he still knew he needed it. And when the time came and it was right, he sends everybody away and he gets... We're not gonna, we, we tend to think of me time. He gets me time. We know that's not what Jesus got. Jesus got some father time. Yeah. He got some time with the Father. He was building, he was recreating, he was renewing in, in that relationship, which is what our recreation should always be. And so that's kind of what I think, why I think Jesus may have sheltered them a little bit mm-hmm. and then did what he had to do and then gets rid of everybody. Point being, it might not always work in the moment, but you don't give up on it. You don't say, oh, well, we'll try next year. We didn't get the big vacation this year. It didn't work out. That's okay. Next year we'll get a good vacation. Yeah. What? How are you going to go for 12 more months when you already need it and you're going to wait on a vacation next year? Yep. Exactly. When we're, when we're talking about, All right, I'll, I'll get it next year. Sometimes you have to make the best with what you've got. And that's sort of what I see Jesus and the disciples doing here. So the initial plan was, hey, we're going to have some, some R&R. We're going to have some time. Well, the plan didn't go exactly how the disciples, nor even how I believe Jesus saw the plan going. I think they all had something different in mind. But the curveball gets thrown, and there's still that, okay, we may not be able to accomplish everything we wanted here, but we do know this is what we need. And so we can't get everything, but we're going to get what we need. Jesus knew, I need that time of realignment with the Father. That is the priority. So, yes, there may have been some things that he missed out on, but he made sure to get what he needed. And that's what we have to evaluate in our life. Okay, I would love to be able to get these five or six things, but if all else fails, what is it that I absolutely need in order to continue on to be what my family needs me to be, my coworkers need me to be, my my church body needs for me to be? What do I need to have in order to offer what others are dependent on me to offer? And those we must pursue after relentlessly in order to acquire, because not only does our life depend on it, but the lives of those that we have been given to to minister to are dependent on it as well. So don't drive on when you need rest. And that's going to come up a little uh, later on when we talk about the principles that should guide our plan. It needs to be sustainable. That's yep. what that's what you're talking about, and in that it's not going to be maybe the big thing. What we need to be more focused on 
are daily things and weekly things, things that are actually sustainable because then we're not depending on the big thing, the big show, the mm-hmm. big the big dream vacation is going to restore everybody. So We're going to hit that more in just a moment, but it is an excellent point to just go ahead and highlight. So we don't, we don't drive on when you need to get a rest. How do I know if I need this? Now, we've been talking about it, so we're aware of it, but how... As a listener, how do you know, okay, am I at a point where I need to be doing what Jesus did with the disciples? Do I need to be pulling my family aside? Do I need to pull my my team at work aside? Do I need to pull my ministry team aside and do some of this recreation in them? Well, what were the factors leading up to this? And I just I scratched out four things that that show me, okay, here was the here was how I know it was time. Number 1, I wrote down it had been a long period of serious labor. The disciples had been doing this thing for a good while. They've been out. I, I don't know that we're told exactly how long, but they've been traveling. They've been ministering, and they've really been getting at it. And so when you're coming out of a long period of serious labor, we think about around here in, in the, at the undisclosed location, there'll be periods of time where we are really ratcheted up, and we've just got a lot of stuff to do. It's a busy season. We'll have busy seasons, especially around the church. We'll have busy seasons around missions month. We'll have mm-hmm. busy seasons in the early summer when you've got all those VBS and camp and all those different things that are going on. There's busy seasons. So after a long period of serious labor, that's a time to be looking at this and thinking, okay, do I need to do this with for myself or my family? The second thing I noticed is there had been a lack of time in all of that to look after the whole man. The reason I say that is because of what Jesus notices. He said that they had been coming and going and haven't had not even had the time to relax and eat. So, looking after the whole man, I might be knocking it out of the park in productivity. On the job, I might be getting a lot done. I might be I might be around the house just taking care of the projects and the chores. I mean, I might be knocking it out of the park even in, in at church. You know, whatever our our ministry may be among the church or among the community, we might be getting it done. But are we overlooking the needs of the physical man? Are Mm -hmm. we resting? Are we eating properly? Are we exercising? So there's two things, long period of serious labor, but a lack of time to look after the whole man. Third thing, there had been losses in terms of relationship. And what I mean by that is Jesus is excited and happy. I believe he is just thrilled to have the disciples come back with their report. But they've been separated a while. Well, that relationship, you know, when you're separated, the relationship is going to lose a little bit. It's going to suffer a little bit. So they needed to spend time together rebuilding that relationship. And uh, Jesus also had loss in the relationship with his cousin John, who's been beheaded. So when there's been a loss in terms of relationship, that's a good indicator that it's time to do this. I can't help but think about the relationships in our home. You know, as men, we've got to care about the relationship with our wife. We've got to be thinking about and intentional about our relationship with our children. And then in terms of, you know, stuff we've already mentioned, the job, you know, ministry, all those things, the key relationships in our life need some recreation in them. Okay. And that's, I think that's going to be an underlying theme throughout all of when we get into the, the stuff that we're doing practically Yes, there are some things that we must do individually that are soulful and, and soul-caring, but there are also things that we need to be doing collectively with 
the core of the people in our life, the ones that God has given us to, it's good to bring them into that as well. We see that modeled from Jesus. He goes into the mountains, spends that time in, in solitude and prayer to get what he needs, but he's invested his whole life into the disciples as well. He's bringing this into together. So as men, we have the responsibility to examine in our own life, but also taking into mind, okay, how do I bring those that are around me in my life into this as well so that we are moving forward and building this thing together? Yeah, how, how else or what better way uh, can we call out our role as men to be the priests of our homes, mm-hmm. the providers and the protectors? We're not capable of doing that if first we're not getting some recreation in our own soul, but then secondly, bringing the loved ones into that. Now, I said there were four things, and I wanted to save the fourth one to this point to say, so again, just review, there would have been a long period of serious labor. That, that's a good indicator. There's been a lack of time to care for the whole man, spirit, soul, and body, and there's been losses in terms of the relationship. But the fourth thing that I thought about here is, and we've kind of already alluded to this, but it helps us in deciding. It helps us in looking at our situation. And that is this. It looks like the time is right to go for it. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So, but there's times we can't, absolutely can't get away uh, like Jesus experiences here. He tries, but he can't in the moment, so he takes care of business. But then there will be times where we, where it will work out. But we've got to be looking for those opportunities. And when it looks like the time is right, you've got some space on the calendar, or you're getting a, a nudge from the Holy Spirit that you need to create some space on the calendar. Okay, that's a pretty good indicator I need to yeah. do something. I did want to go back to this point, though. We said earlier, it can't always happen. And we were discussing how in Mark chapter 1, Jesus shows us the other side of the coin. So in Mark 6, he gets off the boat for this recreation time, and everybody's there ahead of him, and they're needing him, and he responds. He says, we think maybe, hey, disciples, go over here and rest a while. I'll take care of this. But in Mark chapter 1, listen to these verses, verse 35 through 38. And in the morning... By the way, I guess I should say that the verses leading up to this were, and we've talked about it in, in various venues before, this was a 24 hours in the life of Jesus, okay? So if you want to look at a day in the life of Jesus, and they weren't all like this, but go to Mark chapter 1, and you're going to see how busy he was that day. And so it says, In the morning, after this crazy day, rising up a great while before day, he went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Can I just stop? I want to highlight there prayed because I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Something I said to you yesterday. One of the reasons we get into this kind of situation where we are overwhelmed, overworked, under-recreated is because we plan and then pray yeah. instead of pray and then plan. We come up with all these plans and then we ask God to help us and bless it and to strengthen us and to give us what we need to get all our plans done when the model that we get from Scripture is pray and from your prayer life plan what you're going to do. So. Again, thank you, Jesus, for that example. Wish I could learn that and perfect it. Not there yet, but working on it. All right, picking back up the reading. And Simon and they that were with him followed after him. So the disciples come looking for him early in the morning there. And when they had found him, they said unto him, All men seek for thee. Okay, so put it in our vernacular. Jesus has got up early after a very busy day, and he's gone up into the wilderness to pray and be alone with the Father. And here come the disciples. Jesus, everybody's looking for you. They need you. And here's his response. He said unto them, Let us go into the next towns, that I may preach there also. For therefore came I forth. It's important to understand that 
the previous day ended with this description that the whole town had come to the door of the house Jesus was at. The point being, Jesus had not healed everybody. Jesus had not counseled everybody. There were still people looking for him the next day. But Jesus, coming out of his prayer time, knew, well, you know what? I can't do it all. I can't fix everything here. I've got to go to the next town. So he knew that even though people still needed him, the time was right to pull away and to move on. Now, we understand, we've talked about this before, that sounds like, well, he's just going from one busy day to another busy day just in a different town. But we can pretty well imagine that even if this town was the next town over, he's probably going to get at least the rest of the morning on a nice walk through the countryside to refresh his soul a little bit. Yeah. You know. So the point is there was a break, and Jesus made it happen because he knew it should happen. So both sides of the coin, there's the Mark 6 side uh, where he has to respond. He knows he should respond even though he wanted the rest. And then there's the Mark 1 side where he says, you know what, I know people need me, but no, I, I need to do this. And so discernment. I love what we're learning from Jesus again because it's so easy to brush this off and say, okay, yeah, well, Jesus knew the difference in Mark 1 and in Mark chapter number 6 because he's, I mean, he's God in the flesh. you know. So he has that level of discernment. But you hit on the key of, of what it was that enabled Jesus to have that discernment it was his time in prayer. It was his solitude and his realignment with the Father. I can't help but think of Mark 6 as the same thing with the fig tree. When Jesus goes up looking for figs and, hey, I, it looks like there should be fig trees. And, you know, the question that we've discussed before, well, how did Jesus not know that there wasn't fig trees on there? Well, I think here in Mark 6, how did Jesus not know that the people were going to be waiting for him on the other side? You know, he went off with good intentions to do that. But even when a curveball gets thrown at him, he's so anchored in with the Father that walking in the Spirit, he has the direction to know, okay, this is my engagement. Mark 1, this is my disengagement. This is the time when we need to move on. In all things, he is our example. Our individual prayer life and communion with the Father is is key and, and paramount to it all. We must be abiding in Jesus, and we must be being led by the Spirit so that we can know when to engage, when to disengage, and what we need to be involved in. One of the things that uh, will come up in a little bit when I talk about my current plan for this recreation is uh, evening prayer. My wife and I have been doing evening prayer and incorporating into that the reading of Proverbs. And one thing that has stood out to me is the true definition of wisdom, that wisdom is actually the development of a discerning heart. In other words, it's not knowing this is step one, two, three, four, five. Mm -hmm. Wisdom is the discern, developing a heart that can discern the leading of God, the leading of the Holy Spirit, which is exactly how Jesus lived his life. And that's what we're, we're needing to be able to determine when's the right time and when's not. How do I know I need this? How do I know if my family needs this? Well, wisdom is developing a discerning heart. That's going to come from your life of prayer and your walking with God. I want to talk a moment about the difference between vacation and this recreation. The word recreation, when we hear that, the typical thought is what? Let's go out and play ball. Yeah. You, know, you think of like the parks and recreation department of the Yeah, we'll go fly government. a kite. Yeah. We'll you know, walk the dog. All of which are fine things. Yeah. And all of which can be part of your recreation plan. But 
it's just to get the idea in our mind. When we think of recreation, we tend to think of activities, but let's think deeper because that's why we're saying recreation. Again, it comes from the Latin, which means to create again or to create anew. So some synonyms for this word are refresh. What refreshes me? Another synonym, recover. What recovers me? Another synonym, restore. What can I do on a daily basis that is restoring my inner man and the strength and the walk with God? Now, when we talk about vacation, okay, think about vacation. What's the root word of that? Vacate. Vacate. It means to leave, to check out, or to tap out. I think a lot of men, I think maybe even most, I would guess, they don't practice a lot of recreation their idea is, I need a vacation. I need to just get out of here. I need to just check out. I'm tapping out, buddy. You take care of everything. I'm going to go somewhere where I don't have to do anything. I don't have to think about it. I'm just going to go have fun, fun, fun. Now, what does the average man and his family come back from vacation with? Exhaustion. Number one, exhaustion or being worn out. Yeah. I mean, that's what you hear. Think about when people come back from vacation. How did the vacation go? I need a vacation from my vacation. Yeah, I'm tired, man. i got to get back to work so I can rest. (laughs) All right, well, that's not recreation. That might have been vacation. But here's the second thing that typically happens. Distance from God. Mm -hmm. Because we fill up that time with all these activities. What are we going to do on vacation? Well, we're going to get up at this time, and we're going to go to this place, and we're going to eat over at this place, and then the next day we're going here, and we're going there, and, we're going, and we, we just fill that schedule up. That's why we're worn out, and that's why we end up distant from God. And that's what happens in vacation. That's not what happens in recreation. And I just want to point out, you cannot have real recreation as a disciple without being with the Lord. Okay, so when you leave to go on vacation and you leave God out of it, I mean, the average person, let's just say the average man, let's say the average committed Christian, okay? I know there's a lot of qualifiers, a lot of qualifiers in that statement. But, you know, the guy that comes to church regularly and the guy that tries to read his Bible some and pray some and, you know, he has some things he does that is kind of part of the Christian life. How many of them, I know we're speculating here, but how many of those when they leave for vacation maintain even those routines you're you're staying maybe with a friend or a family mm-hmm. you're you're at the motel what dominates the motel experience television the television that's yeah. the central thing in the in the motel room and i guarantee you possible for tv watching to go up i think it can go up in that situation and just even those things that were normal part of their christian life and experience get left behind and so they come back from vacation distant from god Now, when I look at Jesus and what he is inviting the disciples and us into, we're in in summer, okay? We're we're focused on that because we ourselves have looked back and said we've been through some long times of labor. we got some things on the horizon that are getting ready to happen. There's not been really sufficient time to, to, to attend to the needs of our own soul and the soul of our loved ones, all those things. So we need some recreation this summer, and we're going to develop a plan. What needs to be included in that? Well, when I look at what Jesus offers here in Mark 6, he includes in this a place and space for, not intended, but i got four other things. You like that? A lot of fours going on here. A lot of fours. I'm just taking it straight from the Scripture. All right, so the first thing that 
he has that must be a part of our recreation plan is solitude because he, he wants his disciples to come apart with him. That means let's leave everybody else. Now, solitude together doesn't seem to make sense, but I talked about that a little bit last time, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, when my wife and I were on that vacation, rec- recreation vacation, it really was solitude. We were away from the world largely, except for a couple times we went in, into town. And yet we were together. We found our own individual times for solitude. And all of that is really what helps this to, to make sense, to work. I'm not getting worn out because I'm not running around with the crowds and trying to be everywhere everybody else is, and I'm spending time with God. Mm-hmm. Okay, Solitude was necessary. Peacefulness is a part of it. He said, come ye yourselves apart into a desert place. That's a place where there's nothing going on. It's just wilderness this calm, this isn't Vanity Fair, this isn't Disney World, this isn't Chuck E. Cheese or whatever is popular now. This is a quiet, peaceful place. And he says, and rest. That's the third thing. There's got to be rest. You'll have no recreation in your life if you do not have rest. So at the risk of repeating myself, if your vacation, your checking out, is from sunup to sundown trying to hit all the big sights and sounds and scenes, you're not going to get rest. You're not getting recreation. So solitude, peacefulness, rest, and then the last thing is recovery because he says something so basic, natural, and normal, they had no leisure so much as to eat. And he said, you you need to get yourselves refreshed. You need some recovery. Your bodies are going to be weak. You're going to wear out if you do not take care of yourselves. Mm-hmm. And and so that was something Jesus, that if you want a formula for what recreation includes that's it so i as you were mentioning the last point there was an article that came through my email the other day um from a place that i bought some running shoes and so they send a lot of times some some articles related to running that this particular one caught my eye was the title of the article was the lost art of recovery i thought oh that's pretty cool we're kind of been talking this theme over the last couple of weeks and their whole synopsis was that people have this mentality that if I'm going to be a good runner, I have to go, 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 go. I got to keep being at it. I got to no days off, no breaks. And what they were talking about was your body is eventually going to sustain injury because your body has to recover. So if you go through, if you run a marathon, the breakdown. Yeah. If you run a marathon, you need to go ahead and plan on a week, maybe two of not doing any kind of intense running, just maybe a light jog, some walks, some different things like that. Sorry, I'm just thinking about the listener right now that's saying, that's that's me, I'm on a long-term recovery yeah, exactly. plan right now. But, no more running for me. Yeah, but but the point being, even in the physical world, as it relates to our, our body and our physical conditioning, the world has this understanding, you got to give your body a break. If you do this intense action, you must give time for yourself to rebuild and recover. But then for some reason we think in our spiritual life that it's different. Well, there is no breaks in the spiritual life. Well, we're not saying that you stop being a Christian for a day or two and then pick that back up. But this must be something where, okay, for my spiritual life, just like I give my physical life a break, I've got to do this so that I am better equipped to do what I need to do. And the key to all this, again, is lingering with Jesus. Yes, that's, that's what makes this work. And I want to emphasize those words, lingering with Jesus. 
So with the resilient book, I don't know if we mentioned this in the last episode, the Wild at Heart team also published the um, along in their, with their Paul's app this 30 Days to Resilience. So I've been working through that, and uh, I think I'm on day 17 of that. And um, one of the one of the the things that that keeps getting brought up is the passage Revelation 3:20, where it says Jesus he says, "Behold, I stand at the mm-hmm. door and knock." And, and the whole thing about that. Now we know that's that's a in, in in context that's a church that has been doing church without Jesus. Right. I mean, it's 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 a pretty. Pretty strong indictment against the Laodicean church. Quite a sobering thought to realize you've been doing it and you got Jesus on the outside wanting to get in the whole time. Yeah, hey, hey, you, hey, guys, guys, you know, we could. This will work a lot better if you let me in. But anyway, so the the imagery, of course, is that Jesus is saying, "Open the door, I will come in and sup with you. We'll we'll sit down at the table and linger together in a meal." And what a what a wonderful thought, and. That's what all recreation is about. It it must include lingering with Jesus because he is the one that restores. He is the one that heals. He is the one that directs our life. And I need to find all of that in my recreation this summer. Mm-hmm. Summer is a pivotal point. It's the halfway mark of the year, you know, which is, again, hard to believe the older we get, how quickly that comes. Yeah. But we, we start... I, I do. I, I guess a lot of people do. You get to this part of the year and you start thinking, okay, wow, half the year's over. You know, there were some good things, some some things I would change, whatever. Now I got six months left in this year. You know, and you know, you know how we are. We think in terms of time. I got six months left now. What am I going to do with it? How am I going to improve it? How am I going to make up for the lost? You know, well, slow down. Number one, we need some recreation at this pivotal point, and Jesus is the one that restores and heals and directs. I got to find that in my summer. I mean, recreation, recreation should be a vital part of our ongoing growth in holiness. And always with holiness, I like to put the word wholeness there because that's the idea. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, The very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we need some wholeness in our life uh, during this. So, as we look at the time here, I, I think that this, because we've still got some things to cover and we kind of want to keep the podcast listener, well, let's just say we want the podcast listener to be involved in recreation and not get worn down by listening to us talk for you know, over an hour at a time. Exactly. So I think this would be a great place for us to interrupt this conversation and maybe we can just turn this into a part two about this whole thing of summer recreation plan and just leave it right here. Let listeners begin to think over what we just talked about. Hey, Jesus gives us uh, some principles on what needs to go into our recreation plan, and then we can come back next time and just actually share some principles that we have about how to create a plan and then what our what our personal plans look mm-hmm. like right now. And in the meantime, we'll continue the search for Napoleon. Keep your eyes out, folks. Yeah, he's out there somewhere recreating. That's right. In the heart of a champion
the heart of a champion.